Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Game two tonight in San Francisco. Can the Lakers get another big performance from the supporting cast? That's next. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. No matter how or where you get your podcast, it's always going to be free. It's never going to be behind a paywall. And Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show. You can hang out with a bunch of other Lakers fans, part of a community of people, Andy, that is just growing beyond description. Um, thousands, thousands, up to almost 16,000 people. I think we actually may have hit 16. Let me check this out in real time, building suspense for the listeners. Oh, yeah. oh, no, you're right, 16,047 people uh, as we record uh, for Thursday's show. Over 16,000 people. So we're really on our way now to 17. So thanks to everybody for the, uh, for the support the channel is getting. It is a great place to hang out and talk Lakers, particularly after a Game 1 victory. Uh, and hopefully, Andy, a Game 2 victory as well. Something for the everydayers to look forward to. Uh, Friday's broadcast, uh, obviously hoping to celebrate a win. But um, look, I, we were in kind of a similar situation after Game 1 against Memphis where it's like you feel like you're playing with house money um, and the, the Lakers came out and played a terrible game, just a terrible game in, in game two uh, and were sluggish. They looked indifferent. It was really bad. It was the worst game they played in the postseason, I thought, and I do not expect anything similar in the slightest tonight uh, at the Chase Center. No, I, I actually don't either, and I think it's one of – the sort of backhanded advantages you have playing against a team this season with this much on the line, they are defending a championship as Golden State. This matchup in terms of what it means to LeBron, what it means to Steph, Draymond, Clay, Iguodala, Steve Kerr, you know, I think Anthony Davis by extension, he's been knocked out by these guys in the past. And also AD, I think would like to, have maybe a finals MVP so he can tell everybody double middle finger, shut the F up. Seriously, uh -huh. at this point, you're just petty. This is the type of series that as much as it will be physically exhausting, mentally exhausting, challenging, and it will take, it will sap tremendous amounts of energy. I actually expect both of these teams to be completely sharp for however many games this last i don't mean necessarily playing their best i just mean fully mentally engaged. mentally invested and yes. as, as sharp as their legs will let them be as sharp as their mind will let them be um yeah like i would say, be like, surprised by something else to be honest in a lot of ways like what you're talking vanity is a powerful motivator for both these teams nobody wants to like this is too high profile a series nobody's hiding on nba tv or anything like that like this is a really important and deeply meaningful series uh, between two teams that I think really do understand. So beyond all the, look, they, they did it once. You wouldn't expect them to make the same mistake twice, particularly 
deeper into the playoffs. But like you say, there's that nice backstop of not in Lakers versus Warriors, LeBron versus Steph, you know, the most high profile series that the NBA could conjure in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, to, to your point, Brian, I uh, saw this tweet from Brian Mahoney from the AP. Lakers Warriors on TNT last night averaged 7.4 million viewers becoming the most watched conference final, conference semifinal game one in cable television history. I would expect the Lakers to to play a more invested game than they did in game two versus Memphis. And then, you know, you're in a similar situation. Look, the Warriors, they 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 ran through the team in the Western Conference with the best record, home record, in the first round. Now you got the team with the second best home record. And it, you can be satisfied with coming back to L.A. 1-1, and I certainly would be. But, hey, let's get greedy. Let's see Look, if man, you can steal another game. You, you mentioned before the idea of house money when, you, when you're when you the road team that wins game one. As somebody whose lifestyle back in the day used to support gambling mm. more than it does now and used to include more trips to the old casino than it does now, you know what the only thing better than house money is, Brian? More Twice as much house money. <laughs> more exactly house right. money. Let me tell you, I there is never a time in my life where I sat at a poker table or was, you know, at a sports book, hit a parlay, and was like, you know what? I just got some house money. I don't need any more. Yeah. <laughs> this is funny. And it's funny. Like, I, I, the Lakers are going to, oh, man, I've seen a, a few people make this point. And, you know, I think we, we, we made a point similar to it following the game on Tuesday. The Lakers are going to shoot more free throws than – than the than the Warriors do throughout the series. I mean, the dis, you know the disparity was massive in Game One. History so making. Gold, yeah. History making. I heard a stat today on the Hoop Collective, uh, Brian Winhorst's podcast. It was the first game in NBA history where one team made fifteen more three pointers than the other, mm -hmm. and that other team made twenty free throws more than the other team. So the discrepancy that we saw when it came to shots from outside made versus free throws taken and made literally never happened before. Right. And, but what, what I think is fascinating about it is like both sides look at that and they say, look, okay, fine. The Lakers are more are likely to shoot more free throws. They attack the basket more. The game is, their game is built around the free throw more than, than ours is from Golden State perspective. And the Lakers are going, look, the Warriors are going to take and make more three-pointers than we do over the course of the series because Steph, Clay, Poole, this is like what they do. They're better at it and whatever. Both teams probably sit there and go, but we can make that margin smaller. Like the Lakers are going to go, like, we're going to make more than six <laughs> in game two, we might not shoot more than 25% because that's been our MO throughout the entire playoffs is sub 30% three-point shooting. But in raw terms, Andy, we might still shoot more than or make more than six. And the Warriors look at this and go, okay, we might not get to the line 37 times, but we're going to take more than, here's that number again, six. <laughs> like... And, and and both teams are probably right, but that margin is is going to be what determines these games throughout. You know, is it seven turnovers versus ten? Is it 
one Jared Vanderbilt three-pointer versus two Jared Vanderbilt three-pointers and a Troy Brown. It's it's the stars, but all these little things happening on the margin that make this such a cool series. Yeah. I mean, th- this game also had, uh, again, courtesy of uh, Brian Winhorse and you know, ESPN Stats and Info, they're doing a lot like, of heavy it's, lifting. It's happening, but Wendy's not looking this up himself. He's not. No, he's, no, Wendy's reached a station in his life where he doesn't have to, and good no. for him. But Godspeed. <laughs> LeBron and AD were the first teammates in a playoff game since blocks were recorded uh-huh. to have each 20-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, five or more assists, three blocks. First since blocks were ever recorded. Teammates in the same game. Steph, Clay, and Poole. First trio in a playoff game to hit six or more threes Mm -hmm. each. Yeah. So this was, I mean, I hope this just lays down a marker for A, just an incredibly entertaining, you ain't seen nothing yet series between these two teams and also one where the Lakers keep winning. Right, but also just an incredible contrast of styles, which is yeah, it's cool. You don't see that in the NBA as much anymore, where two teams can play very effectively in very different ways. And so, uh, one side note, though, Andy, to the the number that you just put out there, the NBA actually rescinded one of LeBron's assists. You cl- you didn't you didn't catch this memo? So LeBron mm-hmm. officially only had four assists in the game, thus ruining the work of stats and information on behalf of Brian Windhorst. I find that disappointing. It's like when Pluto, like they just decided one day Pluto wasn't a planet. Like that, like you, you can't do that. You can't make somebody a planet and then take that away from them. That's no, not cool. No, uh, screw it. The record still holds. Right. <laughs> I've Pluto's decided. A planet and LeBron had five assists yeah, in no. game one. <laughs> Screw this, man. It happened. The The Warriors cannot have something historic happen on their side without the Lakers having something <laughs> historic happen on their side. The whole thing is rigged. Screw that, man. Another, It's more evidence that the whole thing is rigged against this little mom and pop shop, this little small business, family owned that we call the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we mentioned it in the, in the open, Andy, the supporting cast. We, you know, we spent a lot of time after game one talking about AD uh, on, on uh, Wednesday show talking about AD. Uh, um, and but we missed a couple guys in the supporting cast, um, particularly Dennis Schroeder, and what he and other members of that group do uh, tonight in game two is going to be critical. So we'll do that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by eBay Motors, and for a championship team, it is all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, and it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors and with eBay guaranteed fit, you can make sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and then look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. And just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, there's a lot of parts, you will be back in the game in no time. After all, it is easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so uh, let's let's talk uh, stats and incredible little numbers that those conniving uh, jerks over there at the scores table in in, in in San Francisco can't take away, or the NBA, or whoever it was. Um, LeBron James, Andy, in the MVP voting, Joel Embiid, congratulations to him. He is the, the, the MVP for this year. LeBron James didn't receive a vote. And we mentioned this not to argue the point, I don't have a problem with LeBron. Not He didn't play a lot of games. He missed some time and wasn't as dominant in this year as he's been in others. Whatever. And the Lakers also spent so much time right. below 500. It's it's, not, it's, it's fine. It's, it's really difficult to, to get much momentum in the MVP voting. You got to do, do superhuman stuff. Right. Exactly. You got a couple of votes. Um, I mentioned this, and we mentioned this, Andy, because this is the first time in LeBron's 20-year career that he's not received a single point in the MVP voting for a second, third. Like, he was out of it completely, no points, no nothing. Of all the LeBron James statistics that illustrate his excellence, this might be the most insane one, that it took 20 years to get to a season where he didn't get an MVP vote. That is staggering like i knew that he didn't get an mvp vote when i when i saw the the breakdown and it really didn't throw me for any loop or anything like that for what it's worth more surprised if he did yeah for what it's worth i do think lebron's going to end up making all nba third team um the locked on lakers you know when the podcast network when we did our nba uh voting he ended up getting consensus third team all nba i ended up voting for him for third team all nba that is my guess yeah, on I where he's about. It's <laughs> uh, my guess on where he's going to end up landing. But the idea that he's never until now received at least one vote, like he's never failed to receive at least one vote. 19 years in a row, that's, you get some kind of love in the MVP voting. That's crazy. Like I, when I tweeted this out at Cam Brothers, someone responded with, uh, you know, rookie year. I'm sure it was just one guy from Cleveland, you know, being a homer. I'm like, nope. He finished ninth the his rookie year, which obviously is nowhere close to winning, but his team was awful. And there were also his rookie year, a lot of media and people who cover the NBA, quite frankly, looking for LeBron to fail. And I think for some of them actually rooting for LeBron mm-hmm. to fail because they thought there was just too much hype for this kid straight out of high school who already had who like a King James King, Andy. Yeah. Who gave him that exactly. crown? He hasn't, he hasn't earned anything yet. So coming in ninth that year is impressive in and of itself. 19 straight years. Wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Um, turning back to the series, um, of which LeBron will be an important factor, um, the little side matchups, though, like I said, I, I'm completely fascinated by which player both teams choose to ignore is going to win or contribute to winning um, to a particular game more. You know, there was I, I mentioned it for for Wednesday. There was a sequence where Gary Payton Jr., who is 
or the was he Gary Payton second? I should say correct. That's the correct. He's not a junior. Um, missed a wide open. You take that shot three. The Lakers were conceding, um, and then moments later, Jared Vanderbilt hit a wide open. You take that shot corner three. Little things like that. Troy Brown had one of those uh, over the course of the game as well. Like Draymond, who the Lakers will run screaming out of the building before they guard him at the three-point range. Like, is he going to make one or two a game? Is he even going to take them? Um, so stuff like that. Um, but it's also little stuff like Jared Vanderbilt and how he is um, you know, chasing Steph around and the amount of energy that Vanderbilt uses in that process, but also the ways that the Lakers can try to make Steph work harder, putting him in screens. There's a lot of you know really good film on Twitter uh, today that showed what the Lakers are trying to do to make Steph take a lot of contact on the defensive side as well. Like little stuff like that to try to grind guys down. And I know you, because we spent a lot of time talking about D'Angelo as well because of the game he played. Uh, you've got some stuff on him that could be very relevant both for tonight and for the rest of the series. Yeah, I, I looked up his splits in the Memphis series and wins versus losses, his shooting splits specifically. And they were really stark. In wins, D'Angelo averaged 49% from the field, 39% from behind the arc. In losses, 27% from the field, 30% from behind the arc. And even acknowledging those numbers ended up juiced to some degree by the game six, where he shot nearly 71% from the field (laughs) and 56% from behind the arc. It's also, though, I think pretty accurate to how he looked in these wins versus losses. And the two losses had his lowest and third lowest overall percentages for that series. And I checked them against the main guys in the rotation. And there was nobody who had as wide a discrepancy in both overall and three point percentages in wins and losses as D'Lo. And I, I just think, yeah. I, I think that D'Lo having that monster game six in a winning series against Memphis mattered because that was a team where he last was in the playoffs against, and he really struggled, was benched in a very high-profile Game 6 series loss. He's now going up against a Warriors team that you know, was willing to cross their fingers and hope for the best when they traded Kevin Durant for him, but it was really transparently about keeping that salary slot alive. And D'Lo was really much more of a contract and a number than a player to Golden State, and I don't think he's necessarily angry about it anymore if he ever was i mean you know he got a max deal out of it it's a well-paid you know they're holder placeholder worse fates but i imagine it would feel pretty good to him to have a really good series against a team that decided pretty quickly he ain't it yeah, and or I don't think they. I, don't, I think it wasn't even the side that they decided he wasn't. I don't think they even ever really entertained the idea. Sure, um, in any meaningful way. And you know, for the and for from his standpoint, you know, there there are still given how some of the games went against Memphis, given how the play in game went. I mean, Delo was terrible in the play in game. Um, you know, is he a guy you want to give twenty five? Like, is the, the, you know, we we are more aware now of players who have a lot of regular season value but for whatever reason might be too easy to play off the floor or too vulnerable in 
in a playoff series. Now, I happen to think there's a lot of value for a guy who can be really good in the regular season, help you get to the playoffs, you cross that bridge, and you have to have a contingency plan. But that especially, doesn't mean you shouldn't sign him. Especially a team built around LeBron and AD. Correct. Um, but if you want to give somebody $25 million, which is you know somewhere in the neighborhood of what D'Lo is going to get, I think, you know, a little less, a little more, I'm not sure, um, it would be nice to be able to play him with some confidence in the postseason. And context really matters. Is he a great defender? No, but clearly he's a good enough defender and long enough and has you know the, 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 the physical skills, you know, he's a big guy, um, to function with that kind of safety net around him. I mean, the way Anthony Davis is playing defense, Andy, you and I could play on that team and probably not <laughs> raise its defensive rating you know, too terribly high. Um, but, you know, he's showing that he can be a, a an integral part of a, of a high-quality team. And that should give the Lakers much more confidence about giving him the kind of money that he – would get um and, and then like frankly you do need to hold on to him that's, unless it's a disaster that's what i was going to say they're in a place where you know him Rui, reeves short of a disastrous end however this playoffs go out they don't really have the ability to bring in guys better mm -hmm. than them and i happen to think the three of them fit Really well, uh, by the way, I, 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 he may not set the foot on the floor in this series. I I feel the same about bringing Beasley back next year. Um, yeah, well, but I mean, it was so I mean, in, in those conversations, but I will say this the one guy who is a lot trickier to figure out in that situation is another guy who had a great game one and is fundamental in similar ways to Jared Vanderbilt to um, whether or not the Lakers are going to win this series. And we'll talk about that guy next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by BetterHelp, and it's easy to get caught up in what people need from you and to never take a moment, just the time to think about what you need for yourself. And it's hard to balance being there for your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, your children, your extended family, your job, but then like for yourself. And it's easy to get stretched out too thin, feeling burnt out, and life doesn't come with a user manual. And when it's not Working for you, it is normal to feel stuck and navigating these challenges, professional, emotional, personal, they can bring on anxiety and uncertainty. And I can speak personally to how much therapy helped me during a really difficult time for myself, for my family, and sitting down and talking with somebody was huge. And BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient. It's accessible anywhere. It's 100% online. There's no waiting rooms. There's no traffic. And it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can just switch to a new therapist anytime. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash locked on. Um, before we get to Dennis Schroeder, Andy, who was the mystery Laker I was teasing there before the break, um, Rob Polinka. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of votes, uh, Rob Polinka got what four votes for Executive of the Year? Um, that puts him. I don't know. I'm not counting that far down the chart. It was eleventh. Eleventh. Was thank you. He was eleventh. Uh, four total points. That was four. Uh, it was one. Third place vote, one second place vote. 
Uh, he was in between Sean Marks from Brooklyn and Sam Presti from Oklahoma City. Your winner, and I, I don't think anybody would really argue against this, Monty McNair from Sacramento. Although, um, I mean, here's the argument against Monty McNair is he did all this good stuff. I mean, I mean, I guess over the summer they they, they brought in Mike Brown. Malik Monk. They, you know, they brought in Mike Brown. But like a lot of the big stuff was done actually last year. You know the the blockbuster deal with Sabonis and all that kind of stuff, but I mean I don't know, I don't know probably they traded for Kevin Herter. That's true. I mean they, they they did good work up there in 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 NorCal. Uh, I don't have a problem with it, but um, they, it, they it developed the, the beam. That was not him. <laughs> he did not do that. <laughs> he had to approve it though. <laughs> no, I don't even think he had to do that. I, I I think he had literally nothing to do with the beam. Um, and you because if he did, he would deserve executive of the year and marketing executive of the year because that is brilliant. Light the beam is one of the, the best things the NBA has seen in years. Um, I the, the 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 interesting question is just like how much credit, um, should Rob Polinka get in an, an executive of the year voting kind of situation? Um, very obviously did really effective work around the deadline because the Lakers are still here. Uh, we're still talking about them. They're still playing meaningful games um, into May now, um, which is not something anybody would have thought was going to happen in December. Um, the flip side is the the work that he did undid the mistakes that he made before. So how do you look at Palenka getting, you know, finishing 11th? I... It's funny. I mean, first of all, let, let me be clear. Like, I am as big of an NBA nerd as you're going to encounter. And even I don't give a crap who wins executive of the year. So, like, this is not something that I am, you know, outraged about or, you know, happy to see happen to Belinka one way or the other. But it's just like a, as a thought exercise, uh -huh. I think it's interesting just in the sense of A, what Palinka did between Rui. And the deadline, that was like a freaking magic trick. Like that he managed to revamp the roster in a way that worked so much better, not just identifying the right players, but from a place of disadvantage with distressed assets and on top of it, managing to give himself total flexibility. Like he didn't have to take on any bad long contracts to make this happen. Didn't really give up a lot in terms of assets. Gave up nobody nope. that they had any real plans for moving forward. So that was incredible. The other thing, though, that I think is interesting with Palinka, and I, I know I brought this up a couple times during the year, while obviously the season pre-deadline was a slog, and you know it was spent just digging themselves out of this early hole and some of that was roster construction some of that was injuries but the reality is again acknowledging the reason he had to work in these parameters which are totally his fault palinka actually did a pretty good job i think working with veterans minimum guys and you know troy brown junior was a solid veterans minimum guy Dennis Schroeder was a terrific one. Thomas Bryant, not good for Denver, but was very good for the Lakers. And then he had a few guys that didn't hit, but half your veterans minimum guys hitting is frankly exceptional Pretty in good. terms of the yeah, averages. I, mean, I, I, I think And that's then Lonnie, Lonnie Walker, really quick, just Lonnie Walker, unless they did not make a serious offer on Bruce Brown, which I think is just malpractice, 
as much as you and I were not high on the Walker signing as as a mid level, and it felt very clutchy and very you know the clutch guys seem to be just designated for that slot, and this just seems to be the way it works. Truth is, I'm not sure they actually could have done better than Lonnie. I don't know. I mean, I, it's it, there's a lot to unpack. I think with with this, but I, I think it it gets to also the um the sort of the 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 standard way that almost all of these awards from uh most improved i think it falls in there's coach of the year executive of the year it really helps to be on a team and working on a team that is that that defies expectations mm -hmm. and so you know, the lakers they didn't get that uh, because they were for so long this season the team that was falling well below expectations, and so that part of it was I, or I think, meeting them because they people thought Palinka did a terrible job putting the roster together. Right, on and so like it. whatever the reasons, you know, I think he did okay in the summertime. You know, I, I signing Schroeder is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, I know it doesn't take a like a genius to to do those things, but they still got him on the team. I mean, right. You know, Dennis, I think, wanted to come back. Um, you know, the Bryant thing was smart and paid dividends, you know, for a little while, and then you flipped it into something more useful. I mean, it the the biggest knock was you didn't do much with Westbrook. Um, and perhaps there's an alternate universe somewhere where we know what it looks like if they made the Indiana deal before the season started. But in the in the in the world we live in now. It all kind of turned out okay. They made enough of a rally in the post-deadline thing to get to somewhere probably approximately close to where they would have been anyway by you know five or six games or whatever, um, just because of all the injuries. I mean, all's well that ends well, and they're in really good shape for next year, assuming they don't do something really stupid like uh, tear it all down for Kyrie. Um, Mention Schroeder, by the way, speaking of next year, he is a guy who, with Vanderbilt, is very much responsible for Steph Curry duty. Um, he is uh, as good as anybody the Lakers have. You know, Austin Reeves right up there, too, at running around these screens, running over them, uh, making those kinds of, you know, playing the sort of high-intensity, you know, 70 foot defense and all that kind of stuff that that's going to be important in this series. Um, he's not a guy that's going to be of all the dudes that they have on this roster that you want to be able to bring back. He's going to be the hardest, I think in theory, they might have to use their, their mid-level or something on, on him and see what works. It'll be important. get out bid. Right. But context is really important. And I think this, you know, with Schroeder is a great example of that because, you know, as much as fans bitched about Darwin's trust in him and faith, the amount of you know time they spent in the three guard line, so he's played pretty well this year, and he's That's slotted good. on this team into the exact ideal role that you would want Dennis Schroeder to play, which is a high end backup point guard whose primary responsibility is to score, and so then you can also deploy him defensively, but he's not your starting point guard. He's not organizing the offense, not doing any of that stuff. And so, you know, you saw that perfectly, I think, in game uh, game one, where Schroeder is your backup point guard. He comes and he scores, what do you have? 19. 19. Um, 19 points on five of 10 shooting. And, you know, gets the line. 10 trips times. to the line. Yeah, made nine free throws. And 
you know, was was a big part of what the Lakers were doing defensively. Um, the 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 part of the thing that worked out so well, and I think some of this is design, and some of it, quite frankly, is probably luck. But this is true of most teams. It's not a dig on Palinka. Is that these parts that they put together that they got Hachimura and other? They all kind of fit together really nicely. And I think they might have had high hopes, but I'm sure they thought the rosters last year and this year and coming in would, would fit together better than they did. And so it takes a little bit of luck once you see what guys are doing up close and what Vanderbilt can do and what he can't do and how you can do. And in the Memphis series, it was a little harder to use him. In the in the Golden State series, it's perfect. And so that's the other reason that whatever happens for the rest of this season, I think they shouldn't mess around with the formula too much because it's going to be really hard to reconstruct something where the pieces seem to fit this well. Yeah, and you know, final thoughts talking about Schroeder. When, when you mentioned how he's perfectly slotted right now as a guy that can come off the bench, focus on being a spark plug scoring, but also – can be you know very valuable defensively. He's also somebody that can close, and yeah. he's become really important with those units. But you don't he's actually have to close with him. You don't have to, but you often want to. Want to, because, right? But that's different. Like, there, there are certain guys that if you're going to start them, it's really hard to not finish them, and this and that. But he doesn't qualify in that way. But you can if you want. And in the today's NBA, more often than not, you're going to be able to play a lineup where he probably could. Right, and it's really important because he's been one of their best fourth quarter players. He generally mm-hmm. gets better as a game goes along. He is tireless, which is really important with an assignment where you're chasing Steph all over the place. Schroeder said after the game that like he thinks Steph might be the best conditioned athlete in sports because he, he broke it down. He's like, the guy will often spend 23 seconds of a possession just running, 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 right. then gets the ball, puts up the shot. Like, you can never stop at any point when you're guarding him. Yeah, the mileage the figures thing- when they do the tracking on Steph are incredible. Like, the amount of right. time, the amount of ground he covers in the game. And the other thing that I think also is really important with Schroeder in this series where they are right now, last thing, and, and Ham talked about this afterwards, dude is fearless. Mm-hmm. Dennis Schroeder is a fearless player when he's on the court and the reason that matters outside of just it's great when you have fearless players role players are often the ones that need home court to function a little better or just to be more in their comfort zone even like good role players that often happens but it's very valuable to have a role player that I I don't even mean like the moment isn't too big for them or whatever I just mean no no sense of fear ever seems to creep through them. Mm-hmm. And Dennis Schroeder has flaws just like any other role player, but being afraid of the moment ain't one. It ain't one of them. Yeah, totally agree. Um, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to hang out with, as we established, over 16,000 uh, other subscribers, um, all of whom will be cheering for, pulling for a Lakers win. Uh, we, of course, will be back after Thursday's game to break it all down. And Andy, in the immortal words of Gordon Gecko, greed is good. Let's get greedy. Come back to L.A. up 2-0. See everybody on Friday.